Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Dives and Al ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This week, we've got episode 30 coming at you, and we have a special guest this week. Um, today is October 23rd, 2022. We have PD from Priesthood Dispatches. He's joining a podcast today where we're going to discuss with uh, Deseret News has come out against polygamy and polyandry. And also, an anti-gay Mormon dad has gone viral. We're going to talk about what tweet he sent out. We have the Ukraine temple is reopened amidst the middle of a fighting. Big war going on, and they opened the temple. We'll talk about that. Uh, BYU Provo enrollment may be in trouble. And bad Mormon book author Heather Gay is sued by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So come and join us on the Mormon News Roundup. How are you doing, DBase? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at that www.mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send us an email to colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. And we'd like to welcome PD to the program. Uh, PD, welcome to the Mormon News Roundup. Thanks, guys. Amazing to be here. Thank you for the invite. And your intro music was amazing. <laughs> we got to thank Weird Al for or well, Weird Alma for that. He is uh, he's a gem. We're so glad to have him. <laughs> Yeah, tremendous. Uh, let's uh, let's get to know PD for a little bit. Uh, first time on the on the program. I've been a big fan for uh, quite some time. Um, now we're going to ask you a, a couple questions to get to know you. And during that time, PD, we may be doing some pausing for ten or twenty seconds at a time to try to get to the truth. And I understand that that is a well uh, well established method to actually getting inspiration and also getting to the truth of someone's questions. Uh, is that right? Yeah, that seems to be going around a little bit at the minute. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who came up with it. Some young, it's probably some young bishop who was a real like star in the Mormon church who, yeah, thought that that was the best way to uh, use the gift of discernment. So you go for it. Okay, that's what we'll do. You know, he's, he's probably had quite a plight. And that's what I understand. Um, let me ask you, PD, what makes the followers of Joseph Smith uh, Jr. so interesting to you? Um, the absolute will to ignore history. Um, just, just the, the, like, we didn't even know the guy, but his charisma still lives on 200 years later and it just blinds everyone to even me at times, you know, and, and what, what happened in the past and different things, but yeah, just, just his impact even now and the way that people will just toe the line behind him. Oh, wow. That is a great answer. Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that brought to mind is the fact that uh, there really are almost like two versions of history regarding the man. Um, there's uh, what the the believers and followers of him uh, believe in is a history, and then there's what uh, the historical records show as a history. And so, to have a, a person like that, uh, he made that was a really good answer. Um, so, I got a question for you. When did you start the priesthood dispatches? How long have you been doing this? Um, two years almost. So it was started when I got out of my ex-Mormon angry phase. Um, so I think everyone goes through that, don't they? And mm -hmm. I got to, got to the end of it. I chilled out a bit and I was like, well, what am I left with after all of everything? And what I was left with were a few funny stories about, you know, priesthood leadership and stupid things that happened. So I started writing them down in a blog 
which I called priesthood dispatches because it was supposed to be dispatches from the front lines of high demand religion, like kind of the army. Um, you know, you mentioned mentioned in dispatches for heroic acts. Um, so yeah, a couple of years ago, that was why. And uh, uh, let me ask you, what, what what are you hoping to what what are you, what is your goal with priesthood dispatches? What are you hoping to accomplish? Because obviously, there's a lot of uh, podcasts, there's a lot of YouTube channels. The, the space is somewhat saturated. So I mean, what makes you special? What do you hope to accomplish? Yeah, it's saturated, but does doesn't that just tell you how well the church is doing? <laughs> there's so many of us that are like, no, we need to speak out now. Um, so no. Priesthood Dispatches was never meant to be any kind of uh, educational channel, any kind of weekly, you know, bashing on the church or anything like that. It was purely um, a way, almost therapeutic for people to just laugh at themselves. Here in the UK, we have to laugh at ourselves. If not, we would just cry. So we, we, we have that kind of self-deprivating um attitude towards yeah bad things that happened and i i see mormonism as a bad thing that happened to me so i want to laugh at it mm -hmm. and that that's the point in priesthood dispatches people come on tell their craziest stories or funny things that happen to them and we just try and have a laugh or if we do discuss important things or doctrine we just try and remain um jolly about it and um so how has uh, this how has this po uh, podcast of yours been received? Uh, at first, it was really difficult because, like you say, the space is so saturated, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of ex Mormons, me included, want to be validated by finding out something new that the church has got wrong or a new anachronism. So the channels like Nemo the Mormon and different things where they do a lot of fact checking, that goes viral a lot quicker because people do feel validated. So at first it was a grind, you know, to, to get views, to get people to read the blog. Um, and probably for the first year it was yeah a real grind. Um, but since then, as people have come to the channel, had a good laugh, um, a lot more people coming back, a lot more subscribers. So it's doing a lot better in its second year. Yeah, I love your uh, tagline. Reliving the past doesn't need to be painful. It can be funny, too. And you're um, you really use a lot of uh, TikTok. And I guess your background in um, radio obviously helps a lot as well. Um, you know, how, how's your um, how's the TikTok going? Um, and has your radio background also helped you, your broadcasting abilities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with regards to radio, just setting up and understanding the fact that most of the time, if you're doing a short video, if it goes past a minute, people don't want to watch. <laughs> people get bored, you know, so trying to keep things fresh, trying to keep things, um, you know, just quick and compact. When it, TikTok's just hard, man. TikTok is like... You, you get the most views on TikTok, but to get like followers on TikTok is just hard. Um, so I don't have loads of followers, but my my biggest video is like 1.4 million views. Wow. Um, so it's, it's one of them, you know, you're like 1.4 million views. Well, that went viral. So I should have like 500,000 people click follow and they don't. So is what it is. Yeah, 1.4 million people. That's more than that's more than Lamanites that are left around. I mean, that's that's a tremendous amount of people. 
<laughs> Still looking for those Lamanites. What the heck happened to them? <laughs> so bad. Now, is there anything else that you would like to tell us about your uh, personal life or religious background uh, before we get going? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm all good. There's no need for a temple recommended view here. I would fail it miserably. Well, we for, I forgot to we forgot to do the pausing anyway, so it probably wouldn't work. But we did link to uh, if you go to our show notes here, uh, we did link to a PD on um, Priesthood Dispatches on YouTube. He also has a website as well, um, and and we've gone ahead and linked to those. Uh, you know, you can also if you come over to Anchor, you can leave us a voicemail for this podcast, and we're also on uh, Twitter as well. If you'll drop us a like, a drop a subscription, we'd be very grateful for that. We always uh, start every episode here, PD, with the uh, Mormon News Roundup joke of the week, which I understand that. Uh, you're you're ready for yeah well i got two of them just in case you heard the first one already <laughs> okay okay so so okay the first one and it, it it sounds similar to one you've heard before but it's i'm hoping it's not okay how many general authorities does it take to change a light bulb um, oh boy i don't we, know we, we i don't think we've done this one before no, i don't think so, so. Well, I, don't I, I have no idea it's none because it's a gaslight <laughs> perfect joke right, yeah exactly <laughs> all right we're based on that one i think uh you know i think a second one is definitely in order uh, yeah. uh why don't you uh, return and report with a second joke okay uh what is the difference between mormons and ex-mormons uh, i don't uh, know i don't know on reddit it's a couple hundred thousand people but i, I don't know the actual answer <laughs> It's the temperature of their caffeine. <laughs> That's ah, very true. Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that, that, good. That brings up uh, one of the latest conundrums I've been struggling with. So uh, I understand um, being a, an active LDS person, you can drink um, decaffeinated coffee and still keep a tempo recommend, correct? And well, you, I, mean, I didn't think you could. Well, just to be clear, the temple recommends says, do you live the word of wisdom? It doesn't yeah. specifically uh, ask about the word. The word coffee does not appear. It true. says, do you, do you live the word of wisdom? So it depends mm -hmm. on how you define the word of wisdom. Okay, so I guess that's really a matter of like a bishop roulette then. Because if you if you tell some bishops, oh, well, I drink decaf or Sanka, then they're like, oh, well, that's okay because it's not caffeinated. Other bishops would say, well, uh, you know, well, it's the spirit of the law. And... Uh, <laughs> Who knows what other bishops would say? You, but, you know, uh, what? Yeah. it comes down to brand name, okay? That, because that's right. mm -hmm. if someone drinks decaf, I'd have said to them, "No, you can't go to the temple because you're drinking coffee." But if the if the can said weird hot chocolate on it, I'd be like, yeah, you can go to the <laughs> temple. It, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't say coffee on the can. Mm -hmm. That's right. So my, my I guess the the conundrum that I have in my mind is if you're drinking. Um, say a, a weird hot chocolate and uh you take diet coke and pour the diet coke into it and then all of a sudden it becomes hot right so hot coffee. It, it, yeah so then is that against the word of wisdom and this is the one that i just have been I, i'll never have an answer to it no this is uh, this is going probably on the sealed portion of the book of mormon yeah um but uh, <laughs> you know but seriously the uh the, the temple recommend question first of all the 2019 update on it it's a question i believe number 11 that says do you obey uh, the word of wisdom the word coffee is never mentioned when you go into dnc uh, uh, section 89 the word coffee is never mentioned so i'm a very legalistic person so if somebody says uh are you do you obey the word of wisdom 
and I'm drinking coffee, and the word coffee does not appear in the word of wisdom, it's um, uh, from a legal perspective, I can absolutely 100% uh, uh, answer that if I'm drinking coffee, that yes, I am living the word of wisdom because it doesn't appear in the, um, in, in the scriptures. It's pretty simple. All right. You know, that answers that. There's, there's only one question on the Temple Recommend interview that matters, and that's the last question, because they could literally just read to you a list of rules and then say, do you feel worthy to enter the Temple? Because that's, if you say no at the end of the interview, then you don't get a Temple Recommend. If you say yes at the end of the interview, and the bishop doesn't like have any uh, interesting feelings through the spirit of discernment, then you get a temple recommend. You know that that question is all they need to ask. Yeah, interesting. And uh, you would definitely know. Um, that does bring us to our uh, first news article because, uh, to, to my knowledge, my co-host and I—I um, I don't think he's ever been a bishop, and I certainly have no. never been a bishop. Uh, <laughs> are, you, are they crazy? They would never call me. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Now, okay, so let's hop into our first news articles for the week, and that's the first news article. These are all in our show notes, by the way. Is perspective? This is a Deseret News editorial piece, which was published by Alan Dawkins on uh, October 16, twenty twenty-two, and it says perspective. The courts are coming for monogamy we should resist so i mean there's been some rumblings after uh in the united states here pd i know uh you probably don't get all this news over the pond considering the turbulence of your own uh, country's uh, government right now probably yeah. a little concerned about what's going on over there uh, but you know we had a thing back in 2015 where the supreme court uh, legalized same-sex marriage but the rumblings on the street are now that the uh, u.s supreme court is quite conservative um that they first they uh, overturned uh, the abortion ban the so-called roe versus wade and the second rumbling on the street is that they're going to be coming after uh, same-sex marriage, and they also might be uh, legalizing uh, uh, polyandry and also maybe polygamy. They're going to be the, the the word on the street is because it's so far right that this could be the only time in a generation in which we would see a radical redefining of what a marriage is, striking out Oberfell and um, you know possibly bringing in polygamy and polyandry. There's already a couple of uh, municipalities that have given the green light towards polyandry, and um, you know we're definitely moving in that direction. People, the sympathies for polygamous relationships and, and unusual relationships in the United States, the sympathy towards that or, or the people who want to do that, it's growing. So the Deseret News, though, they're saying, hey, we should resist this. Uh, do you think uh, that the, uh, do you see, uh, you know, Al, let me ask you, do you think that they, uh, we would be seeing uh, possibly um, polygamy or polyandry legalized in the United States or the uh, striking down of same-sex marriage? Um, if you read this article, uh, it certainly seems like it's a big possibility. Um, I, I could see it, uh, feasibly becoming a thing, but uh, I, I'll tell you, it's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of red tape to go through in order to get it to pass. Well, that would be true if you did it through, um, if you made a law and you passed it through the House and the Senate, I think that it would take a lot of, a lot of time. But the thing about uh, the way that a lot of laws in the United States work is sometimes the Supreme Court just weighs in on something and boom, it's done. You don't need all of the, you know, the, they say making the sausage, you know, lawmaking, you don't want to watch the sausage made. Well, if the Supreme Court does it. That's it. It's over. Yeah. It's like what happened with same-sex marriage. Um, what, do you, what do you think, uh, PD? I don't think you'd have any problem getting it through the house. Like 50% of the guys in there got to be polyamorous anyway. Their wives <laughs> just don't know it. <laughs> like they'd be like, oh, well, you can love who you love, yeah? 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, they said in the article that maybe one to four percent of uh, the Americans are already in non-monogamous uh, relationships. Anyways, we're talking about several million people here. Yeah. And of course, with the Desert News, of course, people are pointing out the fact that it's uh, a somewhat ironic um, that uh, the Desert News is coming out so strongly against redefining marriage when weren't Latter-day Saints the original ones who wanted to redefine it for, to begin with? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, maybe this is one of their whole ways of saying, well, no, we, we have nothing to do with it. And so, you know, me thinks they doth protest too much. Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, is that, well, is that the, 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 the phrase? Um, you you got to think this is a stepping stone to polygamy being uh, legalized. And if polygamy was then legalized, the prophet has a big question on his like docket sheet and that is do we go back to the new and everlasting covenant of plural marriage because mm -hmm. we, we stopped it because it became illegal do we go back to it now that it's been made legal you know all those prophets and apostles that went to prison um, mm -hmm. or were on the run and different things because the Lord really needed them to do it and mm -hmm. now now they have a whole department dedicated to stop it yeah, and from the article we read, it says, uh, ethics aside, most people don't have the skills and resources to make something like this work. Um, oh, yeah, really? I, I certainly don't. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I, I think you, you look in the divorce courts, there's a lot of guys in there who had the skills and resources to make it work for a while. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, you think about, uh, you know, uh, we were doing the, in the rehearsal call that uh, a lot of times when, with these uh, polygamous relationships, you know, Brigham Young, he had 57, 56 wives and, you know, he barely spent any time at all with any of his kids. It basically spreads, uh, basically it turns it all into kind of like uh, lesbian relationships because all the women are the ones who are doing all the work and raising all the kids and the dad he only comes in every once in a while. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? The The church has a problem with like two two moms raising a kid but then inside their own like jurisdiction they'll have 10 moms raising 50 kids and and in heaven it's going to be like the celestial kingdom is like lesbian heaven it's it's just a same-sex parent like all these women polygamous sister wives for a billion spirit children or whatever it might be is yeah it's a double standard yeah I think uh, one of the big roadblocks that this um, would have is the fact that uh, marriage, as it stands legally, is a contractual agreement between two people and the state. And so uh, the article said that Justice Roberts, I believe it was, uh, he had a lot of pushback on this saying, well, it, this uh, w the way the law is written regarding um, marriage between two people or, you know, it doesn't even have to be just two people. He said, you know, there's nothing to stop this from becoming more than one, more than two people. And uh, I, I think that you, you run into some real sticky issues there. For instance, um, you know, let's say that uh, the way that the law is currently, if uh, a husband and wife um, bear a child, then the wife is, or, or the wife uh, becomes uh, pregnant from a uh, adulterous affair, um, legally, the husband and wife, as long as they're they're still married and not divorced, that husband is res financially responsible for raising that child. And so, I think when you start adding more and more people to the to that contract, well, then you know whose child is whose and who's financially responsible. I, I think it 
gets real sticky and complicated when you go beyond two people. Yeah, but the church needs to be looking at this as a business opportunity to mm-hmm. extend the whole ancestry DNA thing because mm-hmm. they could be like, well, we can solve that. Let's just have a DNA test for every child. And then mm-hmm. legally that child's assigned to its, you know, DNA mm-hmm. kind of parents. And mm-hmm. just think how much money they could make doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Now, I do. Uh, from the article here, Alan Hawkins, who wrote the article, is a professor of family life at BYU. And he's arguing in the article that marital monogamy um, has uh, great benefits and is the best uh, method for raising children. And that we don't want to uh, devalue monogamy because that's a price that we as a society don't want to pay. And you're just like, how how is a BYU professor making this argument? Because we, we said back in, you know, 1850s, 1840s, that that polygamy was not only um, a better way of life, but it was the only way of life in which you could go to heaven. And it, it fast it was far superior. Brigham Young argued in particular that it was far superior to marital monogamy. That it, and, and read, read section 132. In fact, you can't get to heaven without it. So now we're seeing an argument that is 360 degrees, or actually, I guess that'd be 180. A 180 degree argument that says, no, marital monogamy, that is the gold standard. Divas, well, yeah. <laughs> you, yes. you need to take a breath. It's line upon line, oh. precept upon precept. <laughs> But this, this is what takes me back to your question. What's interesting about the followers of Joseph Smith Jr. And it is that whole, that's all they need. Line upon line, precept upon precept can explain anything. Mm. You know, they could one day be like, Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet. He was just a, a vessel by which the Lord told a, a story. And eventually they'll be like, yeah, it's right. We've, we've had it revealed by uh president oaks or president holland or whoever is the next you know man up but they they can just they will eat anything well i mean if you if you base if you base your life and your ethics on um I, I, on things that can't be verified. Faith, faith by def, very definition, faith is something that does not have evidence for it. So if you're basing your life on, you know, on, on faith, on things without evidence, then you, there's not, you, you don't necessarily are able to argue points in his favor because it's not evidence-based. It's faith-based. So, I mean, you can't really have a discussion about some of these type of things because it's just, hey, that's my faith and that's just that's the way that it is. Yeah, and, and that's what it gets to in the end. I've had discussions over and over with family members and things, and you can, you know, not that I want to bash with them or turn them in circles, but you, you bring out the logic and you just like, can't you see it? And they're like, well, it comes down to faith, doesn't it? Blind faith. Yeah. yeah so, you know, so really what we need is um, a, a study to be done on this, right? Well, you know, I think that a lot of studies have been done on it, actually. And I think that the uh, so-called, uh, you know, it used to be the, the evangelicals in particular used to trot out back in the 90s, these, uh, you know, the studies that say, oh, well, the best uh, relationship is one man and one woman. But there has been a lot of studies that have shown that, uh, you know, uh, lesbian marriages in particular, they've been studied a lot more than um, two male gay members, that, the, that there is no uh, negative uh, effects on the child. And in some cases, it may even have a positive uh, effect on the child. So I think that there have been some studies. I don't 
know if we, we don't have enough time to get into it now. But uh, let's let's keep on going here. I guess we could talk a long time about this, but we got to get through all the news. So our next article here is Mormon dad is blasted for saying gay daughter won't be tolerated at home. And this was from OnlySky.media, and it was uh, by uh, Mr. Uh, Meta. So uh, Matthew Watkins, uh, uh, apparently an LDS member, bragged about his faith-based cruelty before locking down his Twitter account on Sunday night. So Mr. Watkins here, he tweeted out, he has a four-year-old daughter here, and he tweeted out, if my daughter leaves the church, has an abortion, cohabitates, or marries a woman, etc., I will make several things 100% clear to her. Number one, I absolutely love her. Number two, I absolutely oppose her decisions. Number three, I will absolutely not tolerate it in my home. And number four, I absolutely love her. <laughs> he he's very absolute about his uh, feelings, isn't he, PD? Yep, said every guy in an ab abusive relationship to the person he just, you know, beat up or um, did something bad to. He's like, I do it because I love you. You know, he's he's setting this all out for it. I mean, she's four for goodness sakes. I mean, he's is he worried he's gonna like die soon and he needs to set this out young so when she's older she's like, oh, my dad left me this um, to live by. Uh, I just, she's four. What, what in her behavior has led him to be like, man, is she a lesbian? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah he, he, she's four years old, dude. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, props to him for using the, the love sandwich that, you know, he's, he opened with uh, love and closed it with love. And then in between, I uh, just said some of the harshest things a person can ever say to their kids. But uh, uh, hey, he loves her, so that that makes it all okay, right? Yeah. So you know, we can do anything is in the name of love, can't we? Right. Yeah. He said politely, um, if uh, don't let's see here, you you know where we stand on this. We can't give you our blessing. I don't know if we'll attend the ceremony, and if we do, don't let your officiator ask if anyone objects, because we will politely, but we will. Don't ask us to uh, let you and your lesbian lover um, stay in the spare bedroom, because as you know, we consider our home to be the temple. We have standards for guests and family members. You can come over uh, maybe once in a while for a game night, but that's about it. I mean, he's got it all laid out here, guys. I mean, he's given this a lot of thought. Yeah, he's given it too much thought. <laughs> yeah. He's tied himself in knots. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and this isn't uh, something that he, he's off on of the fringe. This is, uh, like I said, he used the the classic uh, love sandwich, uh, expressing love to begin with, and then uh, the the criticism, and then following it up with a, an expression of love at the end. So, I mean, he did it exactly the way that uh, he was taught to do it. This is exactly how you're supposed to reproach people, right? Yeah, um, kindly rebuke or mm -hmm. lovingly rebuke them and then show an outpouring of love. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like that's that. even in the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like hitting someone and then saying, oh, come here, give me a cuddle, I'll make it better. Yeah, for, for real. <laughs> Well, it does remind me of uh, President Oaks, who took a question very similar to this. It talked about uh, uh, somebody wrote in a question, and it was from the Church's News, and he did a question, an article where he says, "Don't." Uh, he's, his response was basically that, uh, "Don't ask us to take you out in public. Don't ask to be a lengthy house guest." Uh, Matthew Watkins, um, he's not out in right field. He's basically really following the line of uh, of Dallin H. Oaks and his advice for if somebody comes out uh, as gay. You know, don't expect us to. Um, uh, pretend that uh, you know that what you're doing is uh, moral or is uh, okay, and I mean Matthew Watkins, he's laying down the gauntlet here really early, four years old. Yeah, it it reminds me of the LDS philanthropies adverts 
Did you see them with the guy in the desert? And he was saying, my sons know that if they don't grow up to be, you know, worthy priesthood holders and the people they should be, that they won't get an inheritance. Oh, man. Have you not seen that? I think they took it oh. down. They, they tried to, like, burn it from the internet, but the internet never forgets. Oh, oh for I sure. Go, I got to go check that one out. Yeah, LDS philanthropies. It's mm-hmm. Because the church just wants you to give them your money, you know, mm-hmm. essentially. They call it philanthropy because they're a registered charity, but you, you're just giving them money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and this does take us to our Mormon News Roundup quash, uh, question of the week. Um, uh, would you attend the wedding of your lesbian daughter slash friend? So if you come on over to Anchor, you can interact and take our question of the week. And that does take us to our featured news article, which is uh, brought to us by uh, PD. He found this uh, this week. Uh, yes, the, the church has reported on their very own website. So we're talking like from the horse's mouth um, that on the 14th of October, the Kiev Ukraine temple reopened for limited um ordinances so we're assuming like living ordinances the ones that they deem to be extremely essential and they're that essential that you have to dodge iranian kamikaze drone bombs and russian rockets and everything to get there because it's that essential yeah the the central kiev has been hit by those kamikaze drone strikes recently Mm -hmm. yeah even since it's reopened like what are they doing what like Like that's that's what a one way trip to the celestial kingdom, isn't it? Go and get married in the temple, and then on the way home, you're just like, take me now. You well, know? I can't think of a better way to go than to get nailed while you're in a temple. That's that's got to be that's that's got to be right. That's practically second anointing material right there. Getting, sure. getting nailed in the temple doesn't that take us back to Kirtland with all the polygamous mm-hmm. wives getting nailed in the temple? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, sorry, I mean this sorry. is just. This oh, just this is just a couple of days after the serious bombing nearby. I mean, people are dying in the streets of Ukraine and in, in Kiev, just waves. I'm reading the AP story just a couple of days before it re- reopened. Waves of explosive laden suicide drones strike Kiev amidst intensified fighting. Yeah. I just it, wonder, is this the best time to open up the temple? I genuinely think it is like President Nelson canceling the priesthood Relief Society session of conference. He thought it was a great idea. And then like a week later, the powers that be and the sensible people kind of said to him, oh, no, you know, and he did a great U-turn. And I think this is going to happen here. As the fighting intensifies, they're going to be like, no, that was a bad idea. We squeezed a few ordinances in, but we need to close it again. I, I just keep getting this image in my mind of uh, people walking with their little uh, suitcases or uh, their temple bags into the Kiev temple while you've got uh, Russian commandos uh, stealthily stalking around the corners and marching up the streets, uh, <laughs> getting into a gunfight. And it's like, oh, don't shoot us. We're on our way to the temple. Yeah. yeah I, I just don't, I don't want anybody to give their lives on the way to attempt to die, literally die on the way to a temple. You know, I am a veteran of the armed forces. I mm-hmm. have been in harm's way a couple of times and nothing too serious, but um, you know, when, when there's fight, this kind of intensive fighting, do you really want somebody to die on the way to the temple to do, um, you know, the, the ordinance for them? Because that's a no. real possibility. That, that doesn't seem very smart. Yeah, I think the thing you've got to bear in mind here is the generation we're talking about. So there, there are parents, grandparents, maybe we're a bit old for grandparents now, but our parents, and they've been promised for the last 60 years that Jesus will come. 
in their lifetime. Okay, so when I talk to my parents, all of this kind of Ukraine stuff, Russia getting going with the nukes again and things like that, they get a bit excited about it because they're like, well, this is it. You know, this is the lead up to Armageddon. And what could be better than sitting in the temple in the place you're supposed to be and a nuke dropping on you because you won't know anything about it and you'll be instantly already in your robes in the celestial kingdom. You've just had a fresh reminder of the passwords. Boom. Literally, boom. I can't think of a better way to go. Honestly, that would be in my um, that's in my top five. Just thinking about that. But that's just for me. I don't want to wish that on anybody else. And and let's also just remember that, you know, with LDS theology, let's say that, yes, uh, getting your live endowment, that is very important for LDS theology. I get that. But if somebody dies, you can just do their work for them anyway. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, this isn't like, you know, the Catholic, some of the Catholic theology that says, you know, if you don't get uh, baptized, then, you know, you're, you're in big, big trouble. Or some of these other religions that say, hey, you know, baptism, you're out of luck and that's it. You got one shot. You know, so we're not talking about Alvin Smith here. So if somebody mm-hmm. doesn't get their endowment and then they pass away in the fighting. I mean, you can take care of it pretty simply. It, it's really not that yeah. hard. So oh, and, and it will be taken care of, even if it's against your will. I mean, there's there's no regard for what. uh the person's personal preference was for their religious beliefs while, while they were alive. Uh, we're just throwing out a blanket, um, you know, endowment to cover everybody, you know, and, and they can choose to accept it. They can choose to reject it, but it will be done for them regardless. You know what? Yes, and- I was mm-hmm. going to say, I used to be jealous of non-members who like would eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. They die that whole attitude and who experienced mm-hmm. this life. Because I'd be like, you don't know how lucky you are because in the next life, you can just have your work done for you and you enjoyed this life <laughs> and then you still get everything I get. You know, uh-huh, That's it's right. The, it's the whole prodigal son thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why did I have to be born an actual member? Because mm-hmm. someone was going to do it for me in the millennium anyway. Yeah. So I, I might as well endure, what, a thousand years in spirit prison and then eternity in the celestial kingdom as a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but if you were to go and engage in uh, eat, drink, and be merry, being merry along with them, well, you're held to a higher standard. So, you know, I, that would lead to your condemnation, regardless actually, of what you do. We actually <laughs> had uh, Greg from Quick Media on the program um, a couple of months ago, and uh, we asked him about that. And he said that, uh, PD, if that was the case, you, can you imagine how much further along towards godhood you would be than those individuals because they still got a lot to learn so you're going to be miles ahead no no i'd be about 70 years ahead which in the terms of eternity (laughs) is is naff Yeah. Okay. That does take us, though. Seriously, though, that does take us to our Mormon News Roundup poll of the week, which is available over on Anchor here. So, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you come on over to Anchor, and um, uh, you can interact with us on this poll. Take our poll. And uh, here is the question, which goes along with our featured news article, which was brought to us by PD. How do you feel about the LDS Church reopening the Kiev Temple during the ongoing Russian war? Um, PD, is it number one? Uh, blessed. The Lord is really protecting the Kiev Temple. No, I don't think that it's not. If anyone remembers Starship Troopers, the one of the opening scenes shows Salt Lake, and over the Salt Lake Temple, there's like a dome to protect them from um, <laughs> aliens. And I don't think that's a thing. I know that a lot of flat earthers out there think there's an invisible dome. Maybe they borrowed one from them. But 
I, I don't see a dome. So no, I'm not with number one. I don't. I, I yeah. do not think they're protecting it. Well, the Lord, the, he is definitely protecting the temple, but the Ukrainian people, not so much. Um, that's no. unfortunate. No, you know, it's a, it's. A, I guess it's kind of amazing what God's priorities are. Or is it number two? Number two, conflicted, literally. And yes, this is me. I am conflicted about the whole thing because I can understand that some members will be rejoicing in the Ukrainian area. They'll be like where they can go get respite for a couple of hours and forget about the world outside. You know, they put extra soundproofing on the wall maybe so that you can, you don't hear what's going on, all the gunfire and stuff. But I'm just like, why, why put yourself in that situation? Yeah, definitely. Or is it uh, number three? No issues. I already made an appointment to the temple. Work for all the dead journalists Putin killed. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, that's, that's being on, on the ball with there. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, they do, you know, you do need to get it done. And, uh, you know, I can't think of nobody who needs to get their work done faster than those, uh, Putin, uh, those journalists there. So, yeah, hopefully uh, not number three. Uh, what, or is it number four? The church evacuated the missionaries from Ukraine, but no one can evacuate the spirit from my heart. Not, not even suicide drone bombers. <laughs> you know, what? it's going to be the whole Abinadi thing. There uh -huh. will be a big bomb that goes off around the temple and everything will be laid waste to apart from the temple. And a few members who were stood outside gossiping about some sister on Sunday, they will all just be stood there in their garments because obviously all their normal clothes will have been burnt away. Um, and they'll be like, nope, the spirit got me. Oh, kind of like the Willard. That's the kind of the Willard Richards, uh, uh, the Willard Richards approach there. You know, he was yeah, the only yeah. one running. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Or is it number five? Nothing can stop the temple work. Except for in Kirtland, Nauvoo, Samoa, Orem, Jerusalem, Temple Lot or Far West. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. No, no unhallowed hand can stop temple work, except for the fact that uh, we don't own the Kirtland Temple anymore. Uh, Nauvoo was burned to the ground. Samoa was completely uh, wrecked by a uh, hurricane or a fire. Mm -hmm. Orem Temple was also arson. Jerusalem Temple was raised to the ground a couple of times. Temple Lot, we still don't have a temple there. Far West, uh, Independence, Missouri. Yes, uh, nothing can stop temple work except for um, mm -hmm. all of these exceptions. Yeah. So uh, which one do you feel um, best represents you there, uh, PD? Uh, number two, conflict. Number two, conflict. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense there. It, I mean, we literally are in the middle of a conflict. So to feel conflicted about it, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if, uh, if uh, we'd like to thank our official sponsor here, which is Signature Books uh, um, and head on over to SignatureBooks.com uh, and you can, um, uh, you know, uh, purchase some of their books. Uh, we can't recommend them highly enough. And we also drop all of these uh, podcasts onto YouTube. You can find us there. Drop us a like, drop us a subscription, drop us a comment. We would greatly appreciate that. That does take us to our next news article, which, uh, you know, uh, BYU, I don't know how much you guys follow the BYU football, but, um, you know, I, I tend to follow it just a little bit. They Unfortunately, they lost to uh, Liberty University yesterday. Yesterday. And the football season is not going that well. Um, and, and, you know, when it comes to uh, Mormon news, though, I have a subscription to uh, Google Alerts for Mormon and LDS. And you would be surprised what percentage of news uh, for uh, more, that is Mormon related news is just about BYU football, because believe me, nobody out there that, you know, the so-called Gentiles, pe persons of other faith, they don't really care what Russell M. Nelson has to say. But a lot of people are very interested in college football. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. so, college football is a big deal across the country. 
You betcha. Yeah. So I got this from the last game here. Uh, so BYU's lost two in a row. Um, and uh, from the the loss that happened uh, last week here, I have Cody Epps, a BYU football player, who was a uh, he, he had a post game uh, he had a post game interview after um, a, a loss. And Al, can you read us uh, what what did the reporter uh, ask him, and what was Cody's response about uh, um, the loss of the BYU football uh, game uh, last uh, last uh, last week? Okay, let's see. So we've got the reporter. <clears throat> what did you see from the guys in the locker room after a game like this? Because obviously very disappointed with the performance in a lot of regards. What do you see from the guys moving forward? And then Cody responds, I see a bunch of dudes that are all still Christ-like oh, and good. are still ready to go to class on Monday, still ready to go to church tomorrow, oh, still ready to be great human beings on and off the field, and, and still dudes ready to play some football next Saturday. Dudes ready to get practice Monday, or to get to practice Monday, Tuesday, and keep grinding. That's what I see completely. I don't see anybody feathering off and focusing on other stuff or picking apart at each other. We're still ready to go. We're a group of guys that love the game and we want to approach life like Christ. So that's my viewpoint. Yeah, wow. that that loss there, PD, it didn't, didn't seem to bother him too much, did it? Now, do you think if they'd have said that about the Stripling Warriors, it'd have made it into the Book of Mormon? Do you think that <laughs> that defeatist uh, attitude and speech would have uh, <laughs> come from the mouth of Joseph in, in the form of a Book of Mormon scripture? You know, this guy, at a guarantee, like 90% of BYU fans just scoffed at the television and were mm -hmm. like, no, we love BYU so much, we've got to win. That's not worth yeah. it. His, <laughs> with his attitude, he might as well tell him, Go put on your Sunday best. Next game, we're going to sit on the goal line with our scriptures. And as long as we're ready to go for, like, Institute, we won. We're the winners, really. You know, just, just let them throw it over you. Uh, that's right. That's exactly why when I read Cody's response, I had to put on my general conference cadence. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, you know, this is American football, PD, and I know that you follow the real football in the yeah. Premier League. What if a player after uh, Premier League, I can't remember which club you are, I think Liverpool's your club, I can't remember. What if a player uh, on the Premier League had this kind of attitude that says, hey, we lost, but that's okay, because we're, we're going to heaven? <laughs> you know what? A couple of them have said, like, all praise be to God uh, at times, and I think there's a collective eye roll from the whole nation. Um, I'm a Nottingham Forest fan. We beat Liverpool yesterday, oh, which oh, sorry. is a, a big deal. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's uh, easy to confuse two massive teams. Um, but yeah, like if a manager came out and said that, he'd be fired so fast. Like <laughs> the 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 owner would just eat the three million pound contract and be like, you know what? I'll pay you. Just go away. If that's your attitude, you just lost the dressing room because all the players are just going to laugh at you when you walk in. None of them are going to go with what you say anymore because if they're like, well, it doesn't matter if we win anymore as long as you know we we have our Bible under our seat or whatever. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't go down well. I mean, he's got you know it's you know so it's okay to have an eternal perspective. I get that, you know, but um, you know, at some point in time, um, I, I don't think that uh, Jesus is going to be in the. I don't think you're going to be able to throw the touchdown to Jesus in the end zone. You know what I mean? He's not there. He's not going to I don't. I don't see how that's going to help. I wouldn't throw it at him anyway. He's got holes in his hands. Oh no! Oh boy! I'm sorry. Oh no! Um. Oh boy! Okay. This is going to be our best show yet. 
you can take that up if you want. <laughs> I love it. There's no you're way I'm taking that up. Yeah, you're making a lot of friends, PD. You're making a lot of friends out there, I can tell. Okay. Oh, dear. Yeah, speaking of BYU, though, that um, we have another article here uh, related on uh, BYU, um, or as Al calls it, the only true and living university on the face of the earth with whom the Lord is well pleased. That's right. And that's, that's a, yeah, right. Um, so BYU, um, this this came out in uh, on KSL here a couple of days ago, um, uh, posted by uh, Logan Stefanich on October 18, 2022. And it says, uh, who's growing and who's shrinking enrollment numbers released for utah institutions so um you know utah's got like i don't know 10 schools of higher education they have utah technical university they've got uh, utah state university they have utah valley university and guess what in every single one of these universities weber state enrollment it's up one percent utah valley it's up four percent utah technical it's up uh two percent uh utah state university up 13 percent university of utah all-time high um, with uh, undergraduate, uh, the 34,000 undergraduates. SUU is up 6%. Every single university, including Snow College and Salt Lake Community College, basically every university in the state of Utah, enrollment is through the roof because, you know, we're through COVID. A lot of people took COVID year off. Uh, you know, if you're uh, doing a major or something at school that's not very conducive to, I don't know, online work, if you're a welder, that just ain't going to work uh, to go to school online if you're a welder, for instance. So, you know, there's a big boom of enrollment. Enrollment's up across the nation, except for one school in Utah, and that's Brigham Young University, enrollment is down. Um, how, how can this be possibly be explained, Al? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I think that uh, BYU, um, I think that here's one thing that we've uh, talked in our previous article is that when it comes to uh, the LDS church making the news or, or Mormonism making the news, a lot of times it's BYU football, right? Um, the other times when BYU is making the news, and um, it, it seems like uh, most church news uh, is focused around BYU, but it's not really positive stuff. You got uh, BYU uh, uh, University, or a, a university that's anti-LGBTQ plus people, um, very much uh, trying to retrench itself into a very old and archaic way of being. Um, it's come out that you have like the Title IX office that's in cahoots with the BYU Police Department and the uh, uh, the Honor Code office, and they're all, you know, kind of together. And it just, you don't get a lot of positive uh, news. Um, it, it's really, uh, what would you say? At, at best, it raises an eyebrow. At worst, you're like, this is completely corrupt and inappropriate. So I could see people not wanting to go there. Um, do Just because there's so much more uh, expected of you. or the, And it's not even that it's a lot that's expected. It's kind of stupid things are expected of you. Like um, you have to wear shorts that go down to your knees. Or, you know, you, you're not allowed to have facial hair. Or you know, it's, it's, it's just mundane things that are ridiculous. You can't wear sandals on campus. Yeah, things like that. And so, if you're thinking about going to college, well, do you want to go to some place where you have to go to uh, school in a, a suit and tie every day, or would you rather go to a party school? And you know, maybe you're not a drinker, but that's okay. Uh, at least you're going to go to the party and have a fun time. So yeah, what do you what do you think, PD? Yeah. Uh, you read this article. Why is it that BYU is standing alone in the in the state of Utah as far as enrollment being down? That's a bit of okay. a concern. Just just to comment on what um, Al just said about the dress code, like mm -hmm. I can I can only imagine that when you start at BYU, you're given a book of rules, 
and that on the front of that book of rules, at some point, it's obviously got the BYU logo and different things, but at some point, there'll be the church logo. And it's kind of like saying, here's what Jesus dresses like. You can't dress anything like that. That's right. You know, <laughs> he's got sandals on. He's got his shoulders out. He's got a beard and long hair. Yeah. You know, he's even showing a little bit of nip. Uh-huh. No, don't even think about it. Um, but I, th- I think, uh, so I'm not over there, but from what I hear, enrollments way down at idaho byu idaho and that that is mm-hmm. you know the first place because byu idaho is less desirable than byu provo but if you can't get into provo you go to idaho and if less people are applying at idaho then it shows that it's not more pe- because it's down in provo as well so it's not more people being led into provo it's just less people going to both and it's unreal that that's even happening because doesn't the church give like some um help with your fees or something for members two-thirds of the cost of your enrollment at the byu schools are shouldered by uh the church holy hell like i'd have i just snapped that off that handoff straight away i'd have been like yes i'm going there because the education doesn't sound bad from what people have come out with um but i think the whole musket fire speech from Holland um, earlier in the year or, or in the last year has really polarized the LGBTQ issue because I think from what I saw, a lot of parents were worried about their kids going to BYU and they were like, oh, I'm not sure. It's becoming very a lot more progressive, the LGBTQ this and that. And then Holland came down and really like laid it down, put the hammer down and said, no, we, we won't do that where you know, firing our muskets in the right direction. And I think that turned the kids off. So it turned the parents on, but it turned the kids off to go in there because they've grown up in a different world, in an accepting world where you love who you love and there's not much you can do about that. So, uh, and and if the kids don't want to go, they're always going to win because it's their life. Yeah, I mean, there's also the, the, uh, there's also a concern, you know, students uh, are, are pretty smart and there's been a lot of rumblings about accreditation in various different apart- mm-hmm. departments at BYU, including the entire school's uh, possible accreditation. It did pass accreditation, but there was some question, you know, and think about going to a school in which uh, an accreditation of a department or even the entire school could be called into question. That would render your degree practically meaningless. Um, and people don't really don't want to gamble with uh, the thousands of dollars and the years of their life to go to a place in which you know maybe you make it through accreditation through the program but what if that program later is stripped of accreditation um you know your your degree is worth so much less from an institution like that and byu is going to continue to run into those type of issues unless it modifies its lgbtq stance and as you mentioned pd with elder holland's talk that does not appear that it is going to happen anytime soon and uh, students are very aware of these issues yeah and he was he was ready just to throw that out he was in that talk he was like, well, if it means we lose accreditation, we lose accreditation. There's- yeah, and this is a, the uh, previous president of the university saying that, that he, he just doesn't care about accreditation. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think about my own kids. I've got uh, a daughter who's uh, now she's in her uh, freshman uh, year of college. My son, he's about to be going to college uh, potentially next year. And, you know, uh, they, neither one of them applied to BYU. I asked my daughter. She applied to five schools. I said, you know, are you sure you don't want to apply to BYU? She says, no, I, I don't want to go to BYU. And my son also said the same thing. I'm just not interested in going to BYU. If you're losing my children in particular um, from from that, and if I look around my own ward house as well, uh, the amount of people going to BYU seems to be declining. I, I don't 
know, this is all anecdotal. Uh, if you're losing my type of kids and the kids in my neighborhoods who are coming from the East Coast who want to come over to BYU, um, there's something that's a that's a real problem here. Yeah, not to get too personal, Dives, but did your either of your kids give a reason why? They well, my, my daughter said that she was too progressive <laughs> and she's, she's extremely, she's extremely, um, she's extremely conservative to begin with, but LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues and, um, the, the, those are, she, she wants to be a, she's a gay ally. She goes, she has gone to a couple of protests and mm-hmm. that's not going to cut it on BYU campus. She knows that she wouldn't fit in there. And my son also the same way. Um, you know, he, the, it's uh, the, being the number two anti LGBTQ school on those reports being number two i think only liberty university is worse um that has a real impact on students they don't want to be seen going to a school that could be could potentially bigoted you know you know think about going to a school i don't know 20 years ago that was still segregated and saying no we're you know like the bob jones university oh no we're not going to segregate no interracial marriage you think about that just 20 years ago students would not be tolerating that there'd be a huge stigma of graduating from a school that uh, is still so behind the uh, modern day sensibilities yeah and and i think they they rubber stamped that when the freshmen came back this year in those packets the welcome packets um i'm sure you you probably covered it where they they put in the or a a local lgbtq charity put together like a a pamphlet a um a help guide to where you can Mm -hmm. find support to where the lgbtq kids hang out to you know yeah all those things so they feel welcome and included um, but yeah, uh, they took him out and they destroyed him. So they, they clearly have an issue with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, our next article here, we try to keep these uh, pod- uh, podcasts not too le- uh, long, is uh, Dustin Lance Black. He's once again, he's in the spotlight. He's never never seems like he's out of the spotlight, by the way. But he was the showrunner for Big Love and also recently for the uh, he's a. a uh, you know, he was the, the the brains behind Under the Banner of Heaven. And, uh, you know, he's a, a former member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He calls himself an ex-Mormon now. And uh, he, he just – a new documentary just came out uh, about his life, and it's called Mama's Boy. And it, and it premiered on HBO on October 18th. The, the film explores Black's childhood, gay identity, and relationship with his mother. Now, unfortunately, I have not had a chance to uh, watch this particular documentary. It's on my to-do list. But, uh, you know, I keep I keep saying, you know, why do we keep covering Dustin Lance Black? And that I think that uh, – this is my opinion here. I think that Dustin Lance Black may be the most powerful ex-Mormon in the world um, who considers himself an ex-Mormon because, I mean, he definitely has an axe to grind against the church. And uh, I think that he um, he's we're going to see him more and more going forward. Did you guys uh, watch the, the check out this article? What do you think about Dustin Lance Black? I haven't had a chance to watch the uh, documentary yet, but I am looking forward to it. Um, he's a very compelling character in uh, in LDS history. And I say that uh, because uh, today, modern day is part of L- it's going to be a part of LDS history uh, 10 years from now. So I think that uh, you're very uh, accurate by saying he's the most powerful uh, ex-Mormon in the world. Uh, good assessment. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Yeah, well, we're, we're all about six months behind you guys uh, here in the UK, like Under the Banner of Heaven only came out late July, um, mm. but it, it was amazing. I watched it like three times. Because I don't know how non-Mormons kind of will have got on with that because there was so much uh, subtle or subtleties that he put in there that mean a lot to uh, Mormons because we know what the significance of the dead seagull is or we know what the significance of um, him not wearing his garments is and different things. But 
to non-Mormons, I, I don't know if you'd be a bit lost, but my my sister called me and she said, I just watch Under the Banner of Heaven now. She's a TBM. Her husband's a bishop. And I said, what did you think? And she's like, oh, well, I knew a lot of the issues anyway. And I said, well, did you watch it with uh, your husband? She said, no, and I'm not going to let him watch it. Why not? Because ah, I don't think he could deal with the issues. He's the bishop, okay, of, of his ward. And oh she doesn't. She doesn't think he could take it. That's how wow. powerful Dusty Lance Black is when he puts mm -hmm. it just in like plain, um, you know, it's obviously theatrical dramatized for the show, but the truth bombs that he kind of dropped there with the things that we just don't talk about anymore, like the one mighty and strong was a real thing. People oh, yeah. like were looking for the one mighty and strong. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think he did really well and he will do well in the future. Yeah, I you know it, it, for me he's either the most powerful ex Mormon in the world or Jacinda Ardern might be you know she's the prime minister of New Zealand but yes. she doesn't she's not really a crusader she's probably from a you know legislative or an executive uh, perspective being uh the you know the prime minister of New Zealand of an entire country that in some ways is more powerful but she doesn't really have an axe to grind she doesn't really talk about Mormon issues so for someone who is actually interested in the faith still because it doesn't appear that Jacinda Ardern from what I've seen that she's really as much interested in mormonism um, no. I, I think that it's Dustin lance black you know he had the head injury which we covered a couple of weeks ago hopefully he's recovered from that and i know al i, I ask you you know is Dustin lance black is he, is he just trying to bring this whole thing down is that his goal i mean because he, he is relentless yeah he is relentless i think that uh his motivation is to um if being what to instigate change for the better um if if that mean if that change is resisted, as I'm sure it will be, uh, then yeah, he would rather see the whole thing torn down than to see uh, more pain and uh, suffering at the hands of the church. Um, but it, I think first and foremost, he would love to see the church um, change uh, to be more accommodating, to be less uh, uh, to be less abusive to people that don't fit the mold. Definitely. He, he, his, his thrust is that the church in particular is misogynistic, which is the case with, uh, with his mother and his father's relationship. Even though he is gay, he's actually, yes, obviously he has many issues about the church's stance with LGBTQ, but his primary criticism for the church is the misogyny and lack of uh, women um, you know, having access to power and uh, the church helping women who are in vulnerable situations who are being abused by their uh, husbands, which is the case for his own mother. That's why the documentary is called Mama's Boy. And I do have it on my uh, to-do list as far as covering it. Um, uh, unfortunately, we don't have more time on that article, but uh, I am planning on watching that. Can you uh, take us to the next article there, Al? Yeah. So um, to tie this into our previous one, Under the Banner of Heaven, the book that um, the uh, detective is reading in his car is uh, that big red book, uh, Mormonism. Is it Truth or Shadow? Shadow or Reality. Uh, Shadow or Reality. That's the one. Okay. That was published by uh, Gerald and Sandra Tanner of Utah Lighthouse Ministry. Sandra Tanner just released an announcement this uh, this past week that um, over Facebook that she's 82 years old. She's uh, tired. She's in good health, uh, thankfully. But she's just she's ready to, to retire. I mean, she's done an amazing amount of uh, work uh, in getting the truth of 
LDS history out there. Uh, Gerald, her late husband, and her um, back in the 60s, I believe it was, started going through LDS archives and the LDS uh, library before they started to close those things off. Um, and they were able to get a lot of the documentation preserved and out there uh, for the public to get, have access to. So, um, you know, this is something where we really want to extend a big vote of thanks to them uh, for their contributions and uh, wish her uh, the best going forward um, as they close their uh, their bookstore. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Lighthouse Ministry there, PD? Uh, how do you feel about that uh, finally being closed after all this time? You know what? I really wish that I could have visited and met Sandra um, because they like some people are like oh the tanners are not the heroes you think they are and stuff and i'm just like look regardless of who they are personally the work that they've done over the last 40 years or so the effort they've put in in publishing pro-truth literature about the church in as you said going into the library and bringing out the documents um so that we can all see it is just yeah it's out of this world and i can't thank them enough for what they've provided for us yeah thank you very much uh yeah so uh you can uh, see uh, if you want to go over to facebook you can uh, drop a comment we link to the utah lighthouse ministry closing on facebook if you want to um give your comments on that then feel free to head on over there and you can also come over to our patreon page if you want to give us a donation if you like the mormon news roundup and and want to we have a couple of uh, tiers of subscription if you want to uh, contribute to this podcast we'd be very grateful now we have two final articles here to get through uh for this week and that's uh this week we saw Pr uh, president nelson siding in the wild and these are actually pretty rare here. This was on KSL uh, by Logan Stefanich, uh, posted on October 19, 2022, and the University of Utah breaks ground on $185 million medical school building. And there's a picture uh, that uh, President Nelson here, he um, he was part of the uh, headliners here. He greets uh, Spencer Fox Eccles, who's the, um, uh, who is the donator or the bankroller really for that uh, Eccles Medical School there, and also the uh, president of the University of Utah, Taylor Randall. And there was a groundbreaking of the new medical education building on campus at the U. And if you scroll down, you'll see pictures of President Nelson with the shovel. And, uh, you know, we don't get to see a lot of pictures of uh, President Nelson out in the wild. He is definitely not very well traveled. Uh, but we did get to see a picture of him um, out there uh, uh, taking care of uh, uh, taking care of business there. H how do you feel about uh, uh, President Nelson there being involved with this uh, groundbreaking, Al? Well, um you know, I think the, a lot of the reason we don't see him in public all that often is he's 98 years old. Uh, the guy's ancient. He's older than the Queen of England who recently passed. So, you know, this is something that, um, yeah, it's it's surprising. But what, what's most surprising is uh, when he does make these uh, these appearances, he just kind of pops in. Like uh, he popped in at the Hebrew City Temple dedication as well, didn't he? Um, where it's not really pre-announced. Um, and I, I'm not sure, maybe they're just like, oh, are you feeling up to it today? Um, or <laughs> maybe this is all, you know, we think he's such an important person. We got to make sure that he's protected and, uh, you know, keep it uh, a secret what his schedule is so that people, his enemies can't, uh, I, I don't know, that, that that's all out there. Uh, but I, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey. we, we, there could be security concerns. Who knows? I don't know. No, no, you, you got to. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, he was supposed to appear in Calgary in Canada. And he didn't get there in the end due to plane trouble. <laughs> <I see. laughs> like, 
next conference talk, playing trouble mm. in Canada. Oh, again. no. Oh, <laughs> Not no. again. Not again. No. <laughs> well, that just shows to me that Satan is really trying to bring down the prophet, PD, if that yeah. is the case. You know, but, that's just, that strengthens my testimony. Oh, no. Well, I don't know why there aren't more memes out there with these guys like digging their own graves. If you get enough old guys together with shovels, uh, it wouldn't take much on, on Photoshop to, uh, you know, put some holes in there. Like, how how is that not out there? Is it too insensitive? Um, yeah, too early. Too, early. <laughs> too soon, too soon. But I do wonder, though, if someone at the U will just uh, give the prophet a refresher about how genetics works. You know, uh, dogs have always been dogs. Monkeys have always been monkeys. That's just the way genetics works. Since he's dedicating the groundbreaking, this is a University of Utah Medical Education Center. Education. Can someone just take give him a five-minute refresher about how genetics works? I think, you know, if you're going to have somebody groundbreak your educate, medical education center who does not understand genetics, maybe just a little refresher. I just, I'm just saying. No, as you say, um, I've heard from the security team, and it takes a long time for him to get to events because whenever he goes anywhere, they do have to stop the car on every corner. He sees a dog whilst he gets out and just lets the dog know, you've always been a dog. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> don't, don't, don't want false beliefs going through that well, dog's mind, right? <laughs> technically, PD, that is correct. That dog has always been a dog. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Imagine how you'd never get anywhere if there were monkeys in Utah. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, now that does take us to our final news article here, which is um, uh, Mormon. Uh, so the, 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 the Bad Mormon book here. Did you follow the uh, Housewives, the uh, Real Housewives saga, PD? I know you're into a lot of soaps, and pr you're probably a royal watcher. I, I'm not sure. But do you get into the uh, uh, Housewives? Have you heard of that? You know, I've seen the trailers for the Real Housewives of Salt Lake, uh -huh. um, but I've not activated the um like the subscription i need to watch it yet because i only get seven free days on oh. the subscription and i'm like right i need to binge it in those seven free days because i'm cheap um, oh. so i need to i need to watch it but yeah okay yeah because the uh one of the other uh, there's the real housewives of different uh, cities mostly i guess the mostly american cities not too sure about that i haven't got caught it much myself here but one of them was the real housewives of salt lake and probably the most famous person on there was heather gay and she's a, a former byu graduate i think she was a lawyer um once upon a time but she wrote a book that's called bad mormon Ooh, bad mormon that's quite a name of a book there and uh you know just released this last week she has been sued uh by the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints the intellectual reserve inc uh, a corporation soul uh, uh being represented in this case by uh mr grow and a couple of lawyers based out of washington dc that she, her book title bad mormon she's being sued by the church because guess what here folks the church owns the trademark to mormon.org the Book of Mormon, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, Mormon Messages, Mormon ch uh, Channel, and a bunch of other uh, Mormon-related uh, trademarks, which has been trademarked by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. You can go on. You can go onto that. We will put a link into the show notes. But no, you can't write a book about being a bad Mormon because the church owns the term Mormon. So this really is a case of the church uh, saying you can't use that word. That's our word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They, yeah, sure. They right. need to save it because it's not gone. It's coming back. Like, Whoa. Is that yeah. a prophecy? Yeah. Like, uh, I Whoa. don't know whether it'll be Uchtdorf or whoever, you know, because the whole Mormon thing is just a Russell M. Nelson's love affair with 
putting Gordon B. Hinckley down. Like he's done it with the temples. I've announced more, more temples than Gordon B. Hinckley ever did. Oh, he's not built them. But a, a little while ago in conference, he he stood up when he was an apostle and he gave the talk about calling ourselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and how Mormon was bad and different things. And then the next conference, President Hinckley stood up and he he totally put him in his place and said, we should treat the word Mormon as meaning more good. And I think we're going to go back to that because you can't just get rid of the word Mormon. It's on your book, which is like the keystone of your religion. Uh, so <laughs> what are you going to do with it? It'll be back. Okay, that, well, it's a rare PD prophecy here, and we will be, um, we'll have to have you back on the program to see if that does come to pass. But you put you put this out on your Facebook page, I think, uh, didn't you, PD, about uh, about something regarding this in the Mormon Church? What was there a reaction to that, as I recall? Um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, um, it was on YouTube. I had a guy recently coming on and saying, "Oh, you, the church, it's a classic now." You get kids saying it too, and you're just like dude, you're not even old enough to know what you're talking about. But whenever you mention the word Mormon, they'll say, well, actually, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's obnoxious. <laughs> don't even start with me. But someone came on my YouTube and they left a comment saying, uh, you need to know the topic before you talk about it. We're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because the video was called Mormon Data Breach because uh -huh. uh, a couple of weeks ago, like Russia stole all of our data. Well, Seven yeah. months ago, they stole it all, and they told us about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. But they, um, yeah, so I just said to him, look, the, the full name of the church doesn't fit well on the thumbnail, and mm -hmm. the last 150 <laughs> years of prophets were okay with it, so I'm okay with it too. Yeah, well, you know, you think about it. If Mormon is a victory for Satan, then wouldn't bad Mormon, wouldn't that be a victory for God? Because it's bad Mormon, double negative, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> So it becomes a positive. Be, right, it becomes a positive. You know, yeah. so it's kind of like you can't use the term we you can't use the term Mormon and neither can we. They're trying to the church is trying mm -hmm. to eliminate the word Mormon off of the face of the earth. I mean, they're they're going after the word Mormon just like they went after the Lamanites. They're just trying to wipe them out. Yeah, mm -hmm. they they'll never be able to do it until they change the name of the book to like the book of Moroni's dad. Ah, oh, oh. that's now that has a that has a nice ring to it, PD. The, the book of the victory for Satan. Uh -oh. <laughs> I, I'm not too sure about that one. That doesn't that doesn't roll off the tongue. I, I still like it though. <laughs> but, but how how are they going to get rid of like the the actual book in the Book of Mormon called Mormon, where yeah. he like abridges stuff? How well, are they going to well, get rid of that? Okay, so first of all, uh, actually, I have heard actual from rumblings uh, on the streets that they're going to change the name of the Book of Mormon potentially to New American Testament of Jesus Christ. I no. actually like the sound of that. That does. Mm -hmm. I like that. That that has a nice ring to it. Seriously. Sure. But as far as the headings, PD uh, of the Book of Mormon, those headings weren't in Reformed Egyptian. I hate to. I know that you put a lot of stock oh. in the Reformed Egyptian, but they are not in the actual uh, yeah. manuscript itself. Those were put in later. So actually, if you think about it, the Mormon, he, he, it was his abridgment at the beginning of the Book of Mormon that was lost. The first, you know, the so-called 116 pages, and that's actually now that's not Mormon's abridgment. So it used to. First of all, it used to to be the Book of Mormon because he was so heavily involved. But a lot of the Book of Mormon that's not from Mormon's abridgment anymore, that's from Nephi's abridgment. So technically speaking, 
to call it the Book of Mormon is a little bit anachronistic because so much of Mormon's abridgment is gone. So getting yeah. rid of the word oh, Mormon out of the book, yeah, getting rid of the <laughs> word Mormon out of the Book of Mormon, I don't think is that big of a deal. And you can change the chapter headings just like the chapter headings have been changed many times before because they're not in the original manuscript. Those are latter day, uh, uh, you know, editorials. So I don't think that would be an issue to get rid of all of that. You know what? They've they've already got precedent for it as well because. Joseph got fed up of spelling Mahonrai Moriankama, so he just called him the brother of Jared. And if the church really wants to get rid of Mormon, they can just have it mentioned once, just call him Mormon once, and then just call him father of Moroni. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. nice, very nice. Well, PD, thank you so much for coming on to the program. We really appreciate you here. And we have, by the way, a uh, commitment here that RFM himself, the uh, Mormon podcasting legend, he has given us a commitment uh, to come on to the program on November 6th. And we have a soft commitment from uh, Mormonism with Murph. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his channel, but uh, uh, Mormonism with Murph, he said that he's going to be coming on on the near future as well. So PD, thank you so much for being here and ruminating with us on the Great and Spacious Beehive. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you both very much. And uh, we want to give a big shout out to Weird Alma for this episode's music. Thanks so much for ruminating with us on the Great and Spacious Beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop the work from, for, sorry, can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs>